today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He began to shine his light on the world around us and why things are the way that they are in this world and why people are the way that they are. And you, you suddenly now, you were walking in, in the light of Jesus Christ and he was, he was illuminating things in your life and, and things were, were becoming a, you know, known to you that you never realized before, maybe for the first time in your life. When Jesus comes into the life of a sinner, it's like turning a light on in a pitch black cave. There'll be spaces that the light doesn't hit right away, but it still transforms their perspective on life. As Pastor Dan will explain in today's message, this light Jesus brings is life-changing. You'll no longer be able to just look past sinful behaviors and attitudes that have always been normal. He desires the best for you, and He'll illuminate those things that are holding you back and tearing you down. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 8, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus, he turns back to the crowd. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's the light of the world. Now, the Gospel of John likes to talk about light a lot. Uh, 24 times in this Gospel, John mentions light. Uh, We've seen in earlier chapters, in John chapter 1, in John chapter 3, light came into the world, right? Speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the light. And look at the promise that Jesus makes here in verse 12. He says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. It's a promise. It's a definite promise. You shall not walk in darkness. The follower of Jesus. And what does that mean? A follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus denies himself, takes up his cross, and then follows Christ. The follower of Jesus does not walk in darkness. They have the light of Jesus Christ. And what does light do? Light illuminates. The follower of Jesus Christ has been illuminated by Jesus Christ, and they no longer walk in darkness. Uh, listen to this verse out of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, listen, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Jesus Christ called us out of darkness. We were walking in darkness and Jesus called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you may remember when Jesus first shined his light into your life and began to illuminate things for you. You know, and the light came on and and he began to 
uh, illuminate things about you. He began to show you things about yourself. He began to shine his light on things that you were doing, shine his light on maybe your lifestyle, the way that you were living, how you were spending your time. He began to shine his light on the world around us and why things are the way that they are in this world and why people are the way that they are. And you, you suddenly now, you were walking in, in the light of Jesus Christ and he was, he was illuminating things in your life and things were, were becoming you know, known to you that you never realized uh, before, maybe for the first time in your life. You're no longer walking in darkness, but you're walking in the light of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a non-believer here, you are walking in darkness. Whether you realize that or not, you're walking in darkness. You know, it's a funny thing about walking in darkness. Most people don't realize they're walking in darkness when they're walking in darkness. It's not until the light shines in their life that they realize that, hey, I was walking in darkness before. I didn't even know it. Most people don't realize it, that they're walking in darkness. A, a non-believer is, is walking in spiritual darkness, and they may not even know it. And not only that, Ephesians chapter 2 says that when, when before we were believers, when we were walking in darkness, we were also following the course of the world. Just wherever the world led us, just, what it, just kind of the, the world has a flow to it. And we were just following the flow of the world, just kind of blindly in darkness. Just kind of doing whatever the world says to do. Whatever the world says is right. And just going along with that. But then when the light of Jesus Christ shines in a person's life, his light changes everything, right? It just changes everything. And, it, and he calls us out of that darkness to walk into, uh, walk in his light and live in his light. And so now verse 13, uh, the Pharisees in verse 13, uh, who, who happened to be in the crowd there, uh, they challenged Jesus on what he said. Pharisees therefore said to him, well, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. You say you're the light of the world, but you're, you're, you're talking about yourself and your witness of yourself, your testimony about yourself, that, that's not valid. Uh, in other words, the Pharisees' argument was basically, hey, just because you say you're the light of the world, that doesn't make you the light of the world. I mean, anyone can say anything they want about themselves. That doesn't make it true. doesn't prove it. So they're challenging him here. In verse 14, Jesus said, he answered them, well, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true for, here's why, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Jesus says his testimony uh, is reliable because he knew where he came from and where he was going. Now, we know he came from God and he's going to God. But why does he say this in verse 14? Why does he, why does he say, you know, uh, my witness is true because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going? How does that prove that his testimony is true? Well, the Jewish people at that time, they taught that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will testify of where he came from and where he's going that the Messiah is eternal and that the Messiah will declare he's eternal 
and that he's from eternity past and he's going to eternity, that he's eternal. If you're a note taker, you can jot down a couple verses here. Micah 5.2 and Hosea 5.15. Micah 5.2 and Hosea 5.15. Now, Micah 5.2 is a verse that is familiar probably to most of us, if not all of us here. It's in Micah 5.2 that it declares that the Messiah will be born where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. It predicts his birth will be in Bethlehem. Uh, but, the, but the verse goes on to say that the Messiah will come forth from of old, from everlasting, meaning he will come forth from eternity past. The Messiah who will be born in Bethlehem, he's going to come forth from of old, from eternity past. He'll be eternal. Hosea 5.15, there the Lord speaking. And Hosea 5.15, the Lord says, I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. So there in Hosea, the Messiah is saying he will return to his place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. So he will, he will return to where he came from. He'll return to eternity, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did, right? He came down from heaven. He came from God. He was on this earth for 33 years thereabout. And then he ascended back up to heaven. He went back into eternity. He came from God. He went from God, went to God. He knows where he came from and he's declared that. And he knows where he's going. He's declared that as well. So here in verse 14, when Jesus makes the, he's making his argument saying, my, my witness of myself is true because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. He's communicating. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. And he says, but you don't know where I came from. You don't know where I'm going. And then he says in verse 15, you judge according to the flesh. The religious leaders, they judged Jesus according to the flesh. They said, isn't he from Nazareth? Isn't this the carpenter's son? They judged him solely on his humanity and not on his divinity. You know, they, they saw him just as this carpenter from Nazareth. And not God incarnate from eternity past, who was going back to eternity, who came from God and who was going to God. It was from everlasting to everlasting. He goes on in verse 16 to say, And yet I, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And so he says here that the father also is a witness to his identity. If you remember at the baptism of Jesus, when he came up out of the water, the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The father testified to the identity of Jesus. And there was a crowd there at that baptism that heard the voice from heaven. And so Jesus says here, hey, according to the law, a matter is established as true by the testimony of two witnesses. There's my testimony of who I am, and then there is the testimony of the Father. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. 
We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. The Pharisee said in verse 19, Where is your father? Jesus answered. Now watch what he says here in verse 19. It's an important verse. You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Do you catch what he's saying there? Jesus again, he said, uh, if you had known me, you would have known my father. In other words, what he is saying is you can only know the father through me. You can only know the father through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father, but through me. So a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ doesn't know God. A person who tries to come to God another way other than Jesus Christ, maybe through a a, a different faith or a different spiritual path, they can't come to God because you can only come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to the Father. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus said, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There is only one way. One mediator between God and man. There's one go-between between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. And so a person cannot know God apart from Jesus Christ. Now listen, give me your attention just so we're clear about this. That's not my claim. That's not my narrow view. That's what Jesus said. And that's what the Bible teaches. That the only way to God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Yeah, but I have this friend. Hey, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Yeah, but my neighbor is not a Christian and he, I'm just telling you what Jesus said and what the Bible teaches. The only way to know God is through Jesus Christ. So if someone is not coming to God through Jesus Christ, they're not coming to God because he's the only way. So verse 20 now, They were told these words Jesus spoke in the treasury, the court of the women, where those lampstands were, as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. His hour to die had not yet come. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And so the Jews, they were confused by this. They said, will he kill himself? Will he commit suicide? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will die 
in your sins. Dying in your sins means spiritual death. It means separation from God. It means hell. Jesus says, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, some say, well, does it really matter what you believe as long as you believe in something, as long as, as your belief helps you, isn't that enough? Isn't that all that matters? Jesus said it's absolutely vital what you believe. And it is vital what you believe about Jesus. It's not enough to just believe he lived or that he was a person that lived in Israel 2,000 years ago. It's not enough to believe he's a good moral teacher. It's not enough to believe he was a prophet Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, who's I am? God. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that Jesus is God, that he's God incarnate, you will die in your sins. Now, why is that important? Why does that matter? Why do we have to believe that Jesus died, that Jesus is God? Because only God can forgive your sins. Do you understand our sins we committed against God. He's the only one that can forgive us of our sins. And the way that God forgives us of our sins is God became a man, God incarnate. He came down to this earth as a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And he died in our place on the cross to provide us with forgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in the person of Jesus Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Jesus died for us in our place so that we could be forgiven. But that's not the end of the story, right? Because after he died, he was buried. And then three days later, what happened? He was resurrected from the dead. And he's alive today. He's risen from the dead. He's living. He's a living God. This is what makes Jesus unique, that he died and he came back from the dead. And so because he came back from the dead, the resurrection tells us that his sacrifice on the cross for us was accepted in heaven. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no other name. There is no other way for man to be saved but through Jesus Christ. So then verse 25, they said to him, who are you? (laughs) He's claiming to be God. He's, He's claiming that he is I am. So now they say, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him, and they did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, verse 28, look at verse 28. When you lift up the son of man, speaking of his crucifixion, then you will know that I am. Isn't that a statement? When you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am. When Jesus is crucified, then you will know that Jesus is God by the way that he dies. And if you remember the story of the crucifixion, when Jesus was crucified, he didn't die any ordinary death. First of all, we're told in the Gospels that as Jesus was on the cross, that the whole earth was covered with darkness in the middle of the day for three hours from noon to 3 p.m. 
total darkness. Not just that it was cloudy, but the earth became pitch black darkness. And by the way, there's records outside of the Bible that talk about the darkness upon the earth at that time. Not that we need that, but we've got the testimony of other documents that testify to that happening. That never happened before. It's never happened since. So that's unique. Secondly, when Jesus died, he didn't just, he didn't just die. The Bible describes him dismissing his spirit from his body, saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And, and it says he gave up the ghost. He dismissed his spirit. You know, your spirit, that's the real you. He just sent it away, sent it out of his physical body. That's not how people die. They don't just dismiss their spirit. Third, when he did die, we're told that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. We're, you know, we're, we're told in, in rabbinical writings that the thickness of the fabric of the temple curtain was the thickness of the width of your hand. And it's torn from top to bottom. Remember how tall, do you remember the picture, how tall the temple was? It's not torn from bottom to top. God is the one who tore it from top to bottom. We're told uh, not only that, that there was a great earthquake. And in Matthew's gospel, it says some of the dead were resurrected back to life and were seen walking in the streets of Jerusalem when Jesus died. We're told that a Roman soldier who was guarding those that were on the cross, those that were being crucified, that when Jesus died, that Roman soldier who's a pagan, he's a pagan. He said, surely this is the son of God. That guy's job was to crucify people. He saw people die every day by crucifixion. He had never seen a death like that before. And the the pagan Roman said, this guy's God, just based on seeing his death. And what did Jesus say here? When you lift up the son of man, then you will know I am. Then you'll know that I'm God. And they did. Even that Roman knew that Jesus is God. Now, let's finish up here. Verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. You know, Jesus came down from heaven to the earth to shine his light into this dark world, and more importantly, to shine his light into our dark hearts personally. He died on the cross to provide a way of salvation for us, a way for us to be forgiven. And three days later, he's resurrected from the dead. And he's alive today. And his resurrection validates everything he said and everything he claimed. Everything he claimed to be that he is the light of the world, and he who follows him shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith to set aside personal agendas and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully 
as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. Recognize the hands that crack